and some sort of inner peace and answers to the big questions. So I identify with Chris to a great extent and feel like I might know something about why he felt compelled to test himself in such a wild and unforgiving piece of country. If any of the McCandless family would be willing to chat with me, I'd be extremely grateful. My letter resulted in an invitation from Chris's parents, Walt and Billy McCandless, to visit them at their home in Chesapeake Beach, Maryland. When I showed up on their doorstep a few days later, the intensity of their grief staggered me, but they graciously answered all of my many questions. The last time Walt or Billy had seen Chris or spoken to him was May 12, 1990, when they had driven down to Atlanta to attend his graduation from Emory. Following the ceremony, he mentioned that he would probably spend that summer traveling and then enroll in law school. Five weeks later, he mailed his parents a copy of his final grades, accompanied by a note thanking them for some graduation gifts. Not much else is happening, but it's starting to get real hot and humid down here, he wrote at the end of the missive. Say hi to everyone for me. It was the last anyone in the McCandless family would ever hear from him. Walt and Billy were desperate to learn everything they could about Chris's activities from the moment he performed his vanishing act until his emaciated remains were discovered in Alaska 27 months later. Where had he traveled and whom had he met? What had he been thinking? What had he been feeling? Hoping that I might be able to find answers to such questions, they allowed me to examine all the documents and photos that had been recovered after his death. They also urged me to track down anyone he'd met whom I could locate from these materials and to interview individuals who were important to Chris before his disappearance, especially his 21-year-old sister, Corrine, with whom he had had an uncommonly close bond. When I phoned Corrine, she was wary, but she talked to me for 20 minutes or so and provided important information for the 8,400-word article about Chris, titled Death of an Innocent, published as the cover story in the January 1993 issue of Outside. Although it was well-received, the article left me feeling unsatisfied. In order to meet my deadline, I had to deliver it to the magazine before I had had time to investigate some tantalizing leads. Important aspects of the mystery remained hazy, including the cause of Chris's death and his reasons for so assiduously avoiding contact with his family after he departed Atlanta in the summer of 1990. I spent the next year conducting further research to fill in these and other blanks in order to write a book, which was published in 1996 as Into the Wild. By the time I began doing research for the book, it was obvious to me that Corrine understood Chris better than anyone, perhaps even better than Chris had understood himself. So I phoned her again to ask if she would talk to me at greater length. Highly protective of her absent brother, she remained skeptical but agreed to let me interview her for a couple of hours at her home near Virginia Beach. After we started to talk, Corrine determined there was a lot she wanted to tell me, and the allotted two hours stretched into the next day. At some point, she decided she could trust me, and asked me to read some excruciatingly candid letters Chris had written to her. Letters she had never shown to anyone, not even her husband or closest friends. As I began to read them, I was filled with both sadness and admiration for Chris and Corrine. The letters were sometimes harrowing, but they left little doubt about what drove him to sever all ties with his family. When I eventually got on a plane to fly home to Seattle, my head was spinning. Before Corrine shared the letters with me, she asked me not to include anything from them in my book. I promised to abide by her wishes. 
It's not uncommon for sources to ask journalists to treat certain pieces of information as confidential or off the record, and I'd agreed to such requests on several previous occasions. In this instance, my willingness to do so was bolstered by the fact that I shared Corrine's desire to avoid causing undue pain to Walt, Billy, and Corrine's siblings from Walt's first marriage. I thought, moreover, that I could convey what I'd learned from the letters obliquely, between the lines, without violating Corrine's trust. I was confident I could provide enough indirect clues for readers to understand that, to no small degree, Chris's seemingly inexplicable behavior during the final years of his life was in fact explained by the volatile dynamics of the McCandless family while he was growing up. Many readers did understand this, as it turned out, but many did not. A lot of people came away from reading Into the Wild without grasping why Chris did what he did. Lacking explicit facts, they concluded that he was merely self-absorbed, unforgivably cruel to his parents.